Hello, my friends. Jim Martin, once again, coming to you with God's Word. Pray that you're very cognizant, very much aware of God's sovereignty and His activity in your life. Uh, sometimes it doesn't seem obvious. Sometimes it seems as though we've been completely abandoned. hope that's not how you're feeling today, because as we're going to see in our study from Daniel's prophecy, chapter 7, God is always in control. Pray with me as we begin. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name once again by your by your grace and by your mercy and power. And we proclaim you to be sovereign of the universe, the creator and sustainer of all that is. We proclaim you to be Lord. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us that are attending to this study are careful to believe and behave regardless of what regime or circumstances or culture we're in that we believe and behave as citizens of the kingdom of heaven and subjects of the Most High God. Not just subjects, but children, bought and paid for by the blood of your Son, Jesus, redeemed from that slave market of sin. Lord, there are tumultuous things going on in our world today as pretty much every day. There are wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, natural disasters, human travesties. It can cause those that do not know you, and even some that are the elect, as Scripture calls us, to throw up our hands in despair and say, what's the use? But Lord, I pray that your Spirit would encourage and strengthen each one of us today, because we know that you are Lord. You are Master. You are in control. Everything's going to turn out according to your plan and purpose, and especially for your glory. We ask all this with gratitude in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, my friends. If you care to, take your copy of Scripture and turn to Daniel chapter 7. That's where we're studying today. Uh, this is a, a an interesting to us Westerners in our linear and chronological way of thinking, uh, a very interesting and perhaps per perplexing section of Daniel's prophecy, prophecy because it is not in the chronological order of the rest of the book, uh, especially of the chapters that we have been studying. In fact, chapters... Uh, seven and eight and perhaps even nine now but I, I think nine is uh, is in its proper order but seven and uh, seven and eight actually occurred the events here the visions given to God's servant Daniel actually occurred prior to the timetable of chapters five and six so uh, we open chapter 7 with an introduction to a new king in Babylon. Babylon is still uh, in power. It's the, it's the dominant kingdom on earth at that time in the 6th century before Christ. And it says in Daniel 7.1, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a vision. Or had a dream. I had a dream, he says. Well, Belshazzar, you remember, was the was the foolish and uh, despotic and 
uh, really evil uh, king that we met in chapter 5, who was the recipient of a message from God that we call the handwriting on the wall. Well, that's that Belshazzar, and this is several years, uh, not that many because he didn't reign that long, but it's years before uh, the events of chapter 5 and the subsequent overthrow of the Babylonian kingdom by the Medes and the Persians, Cyrus and uh, his his, uh, governor, if you will, Darius. So this is in the first century, or I'm sorry, the first year of Belshazzar's reign as king. And Belshazzar was probably the great, the grandson, perhaps, of Nebuchadnezzar. So this happened uh, maybe 60 years after uh, the people of Israel were taken captive. And so uh, Belshazzar is king. And during this this reign, uh, the first year of his reign, Daniel was still a government official. He was operating in that capacity in the government of Babylon. Here's a righteous man, a Jew, a, a uh, believing Jew, and he is operating in the kingdom as a one of the governors, one of the overseers uh, of the Babylonian kingdom. So, uh, Belshazzar is king and, and Daniel has this dream now in this forum of uh, podcast and video cast we cannot devote the time that's necessary to go through this in detail uh, there's 28 verses in this chapter uh, very uh, symbolic and metaphorical uh, in its content, uh, in, in the in the actual uh, visions that Daniel saw, uh, there are four beasts. I guess what I want to do is to concentrate not on a, an exposition of this chapter because that would take uh, perhaps four to six weeks in this forum uh, to do a proper exposition. We we don't have the time to do that. What I'm going to do is is try to extract this, the the truth of this and the these events, and put and put them in the context and the frame of reference of us living in 21st century Babylon. Uh, we're not where we want to be. Uh, sometimes we look around and says, "How did we get here?" Well, we've we've covered that in in lessons past how we got here. Uh, and so, regardless of how we got here, we, we'd better be paying attention to where we are and what we're supposed to be doing. And that's really the message of Daniel chapter 7 and 8. Kingdoms will rise and kingdoms will fall, but God's kingdom is the everlasting kingdom. And we're going to make that point uh, very firmly, I, I pray. So... Uh, if you have your copy of scripture, perhaps it would be useful for you to get that ca- that that uh, copy of scripture and turn to Daniel's uh, prophecy chapter seven. Uh, Dan- uh, Daniel records here. He says, "I was looking in, in my vision by night, and before and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea." Now, 
there's so much metaphorical uh, and allegorical language in, especially in the prophetic writings, that uh, sometimes we say, no, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Well, the great sea is generally a metaphor uh, for humanity, the great sea of humanity. So out of this sea come these four what's called beasts, okay? And he describes these beasts in, in language that uh, really reflects I can't really understand understand or nor can I explain what I saw, but I'll do the best I can. I can only relate to it uh, to what I saw with things that I know. And so he he lays out these four animals or creatures. Okay, uh, John the Apostle, when he was looking into heaven uh, in in the Revelation. Uh, he had the same problem. Uh, he saw things that really don't translate into human language or thought. Uh, they're so far above us. And so any time we start trying to describe God and his work and what he's like and uh, what he is doing, it's, it's really strange our ability to communicate in, in human language. And so that's what Daniel is dealing with here. And the best he can do is he sees from the great sea of humanity boiling and and in turmoil all the time, just like today, just like today, he sees these four entities, shall we call them that, arise. Uh, the first he describes as like a lion and with a, uh, the wings of an eagle. Uh, we talk about when pigs fly. Well, here's a lion, apparently, that could fly. Uh, what? I don't know uh, why this kingdom, and that's what these four beasts are, are represented as four different regimes or kingdoms. I don't know what, why the Lord would, would impose the figure of a lion or the appearance of a lion uh, we don't we can't get into that uh, we can suppose that all day long but that's what Daniel saw he said, here it is this is what I saw this fir first creature that came up out of the sea was like a lion but it had wings it's not like anything not like Simba not like anything that we see but that's what he saw and he said it had wings, like an eagle's wings. And then the wings were plucked off. And the lion was made to, well, to, to stand up like a, like a person. And, and a, a person's mind, a human mind, intellect and logic and reason was given to this. We, and, you know, we could just get... I give up. I don't understand what this. I don't understand what it all means either. But I'll get to. I'll get to an interpretation from poor old this poor old man right here. But let's let's go on. There's three more beasts we need to look at. Uh, so chapter seven, verse five says, 
and behold another beast, a second one resembling a bear. Oh, now we have a, a lion, and now we have a bear. What happened to the lion? Disappeared. It is, the lion is no more. Okay, but now we have a bear. But the bear's kind of reared up on one side, and he has three ribs hanging out of his mouth. Oh, my goodness. Three ribs. And thus they said, they who? The ones that were the four winds? No. <laughs> the ones who were raising up these beasts. Stay with me. Arise, devour much meat. And bears like to do that. So do lions. So do each one of these creatures. They like meat. Hey, let's get honest. I like meat. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's, let's go on. Okay. After this, I kept looking, and behold, another one like a leopard. What happened to what happened to the bear? Same thing that happened to the lion. He is no more. As fearsome and as terrible as the lion and the bear were, they're not there anymore. Okay, so now we got a leopard. And he has wings. Now he's got four wings. Each one of these elements of the illustration or of the, the metaphor has a meaning. The two wings on the lion that were removed. Okay? Uh, that, that has meaning. The bear with three ribs. Okay, I, I've read, and each one of, that means that there are three particular kingdoms that were, that were defeated by this bear, which, by the way, represents the Medo-Persian Empire. If so, then what does the lion? The lion was Babylon. The bear is Medo-Persian. What happened to those? They're gone. They're gone. Now we got a new beast that has come up. A leopard. He looks like a leopard. Okay. He had four wings. Oh, my goodness. This is just the wings of a bird. Why would a cat have the wings of a bird? I don't know, but it gets weirder. It gets even more weird. He has four heads. Four heads. Ever seen a four-headed leopard? I haven't. And dominion was given to it. Oh, dominion. He has responsibility and power over a, a group of people, a group of nations. Dominion was given to it. Now, this leopard, the, the, it represents Greece. Okay, or actually Alexander the Great. And his kingdom, he came in, and we're going to see more about him in chapter 8, but that's who this is. He's the one that captured, that conquered Medo-Persia. And so, four heads. The kingdom of Greece was in, in this, or Alexander the Great, was divided into four separate sections. And that's what these are. Each one, uh, they were not equally powerful, or successful and we'll see all that in days to come okay and then then chapter 7 7 verse 7 after this i kept looking in the night visions behold a fourth beast 
dreadful, terrifying, and extremely strong. Now, notice that he doesn't he doesn't give a metaphor for what this beast was. I've seen pictures of dragons, dinosaurs, all kinds of things to represent this fourth beast. But let's keep going. <clears throat> he was he was dreadful. He was terrifying. He was extremely strong. Had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with his feet. The remainder of what? The rem whatever remained from the Medo-Persian Empire. And it was different from all the beasts that went before it. Okay, it had ten horns. Okay, like I say, my friends, my dear ones, each element of these visions visions has meaning it translates horns in the biblical uh, language if you will horns represent power power dominion authority there are ten elements of power or authority ten sections people say well this is the this is the European Union no, it's most likely not uh, the European Union. Uh, this is this is really stretching beyond that. It gets it gets stranger from this verse eight. While I was contemplating the horns, the symbols of power and authority, uh, behold another horn. Here we go. Another horn, a little one. Oh, so it's not so. It's not so much. Well, science does not matter. A little one came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth uttering great boasts. Oh my goodness, my friends. What is going on in Daniel chapter seven? We have talking horns. Okay, if we if we say, all right, these aren't actual horns, like on a on a bull or in an orchestra. These are not that kind of horn. These are dominions. These are people of power. These are nations or reigns. And it keeps going. Chapter 7, verse 9 says, I kept looking until thrones were seven set up. Now, what does this indicate? Somebody's in charge, right? And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His, and it describes him uh, very much like in the Revelation, chapters 1 and 2, when John the Apostle saw the Most High God indescribable in his power and majesty and beauty and that's the that's the image that's given daniel here and, and there's a great conflict even against the ancient of days as he's called god most high even against him there's great conflict and my friends let's just go to the bottom line 
Uh, I'd love to spend time talking about each one of these elements, but we, we cannot. Let's go to the end. Chapter 7, verse 26. The court will sit for judgment and his dominion. Now, this is the last horn, the one that, that spoke blasphemy against the ancient of days and against his son, Jesus. His dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. And then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. This sounds very much to me like the millennial kingdom that's coming when Jesus reestablishes his earthly reign. And that day is coming, my friends. That day is coming. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and that all the dominions will serve and obey him. That's the bottom line. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but God reigns forever. Let me uh, read to you from a commentator that I uh, sometimes use. I find it's very helpful, uh, Mr. Fawcett uh, from the 19th century. I was looking up and studying the term beasts. What What is he talking about with these beasts? Are they just simply animals? And this really goes to a deep truth that I want to try to let you in. It's something I've been troubled uh, just mulling over in my spirit for several months now. How we are... In a, how we differ from the animals, how we as humans differ from the animals. Uh, the, in, in my teaching in long years long past, uh, for years, I've said, well, the main difference is that we have three elements. We have a body, a soul, our mind, will, and emotions with which we relate to other people. And most importantly, most differently, uniquely, human beings have a spirit. There's a, there is an element of human beings with which we communicate with our Creator. We can have a, not just communicate with, but have a relationship with our designer and creator, God. Now, all the animals don't have that. Let me read you what Fawcett says about beasts or animals. Symbolically, man separated or severed from God and resting in his own physical or intellectual strength or material resources is beastly and brutish. He is only manly when he is godly, for man was made in the image of God. So Asaph describes himself when envying the prosperous wicked. I was a beast before you in Psalm uh, 73 verse 22 man in honor apart from God does not continue he abides not he is like the beasts that perish and that's Psalm 49 the multitude opposing Messiah are but so many bulls and calves to be stilled by his rebuke and that's in Psalm 68 those that walk after the flesh and the lust of, the, of uncleanness are as, as natural brute beasts are made only to be taken and destroyed. And that's from Second Peter. So persecutors of Christians, and there are persecutors of God's people today. You're aware of that, I'm sure. 
as Paul's opponents at Ephesus. And the, the, these are just beasts. Okay, the beast in Revelations chapter, Revelation chapters 13, 15, 17, and 19, these are represented before uh, John the Apostle as beasts. It's a, this beast is a combination of all these sensual, lawless, God-opposing features. The four successing world empires represented as beasts coming up out of the sea in Daniel 7, whereupon the, the, the kingdom of Messiah, on the contrary, is that of the Son of Man, supplanting utterly the former and alone everlasting and worldwide now my friends this is a pretty succinct description of why God would choose to use the term beasts animals can only obey their passions and we see the empires that are set up today and in the past and most certainly those that come in the future should God tarry. These are just obeying their own passions for power and for more. They, they are insatiable. How much, how much does it take to satisfy you just a little bit more? No. No. This beast of power, this beast of desire can only be brought under submission by the Spirit of God, my friends. You may not like the, uh, the regime, I'll, I'll use that word, of power that you're under right now. The government, the authority. I, I'm reading where uh, there are revolutions in many countries in the world. People are just fed up. They've, they've had enough. They say, let's overthrow this government and put another one in place. Friends, that's been going on for millennia. You understand? And will the new government be any better? In the end, it will be no more. The only government that will ever last is God's government. And his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And it's not the one that you would set up, may I say, if you were in charge. Right? That's why you're not. Because God is in charge. So let us be comforted, my friends, by this. That kingdoms come and kingdoms go. But the kingdom of God lasts forever. That's really the message of the seventh chapter of Daniel. That's really its message. That's the message of the Bible, by the way. It's one story from Genesis to Revelation. It's one story. And the story is that of the kingdom of God and how man strives against it and fails every time. My friends, that is the truth. So how should we believe and behave in Babylon? 
Well, Daniel, after these visions, he got up and served the government. He served where he was. Where are you this morning or this this day? Where are you? What position and what circumstances are you are you in this morning? Serve the everlasting kingdom. As it has intersected the temporal and limited kingdom in which you serve. Every one of us is placed in a position of influence. How are we influencing those around us? We may not change the course of our government. We most lo- most likely will not. None of us can change the, the course of human history. That's done. But we can influence at least our portion of human the human future if we participate with agree with and align ourselves with God's truth and operate in 21st century century Babylon accordingly that's my message for the day my my beloved pray with me father God thank you for this truth we lay it before you in Jesus name as his representatives here and I pray that every man and woman boy and girl that may be listening to this message wherever they are in in your world here will take it to heart and be encouraged uh, and be strong and have the stamina they need to endure the temporary reign of beastly authorities in our world I know you've told us to pray for them and we must certainly do so So, Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to uh, humble ourselves under your mighty hand and be servants of the Most High God in Babylon 2021. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my friends. I'll talk to you next week, if God wills. Now, may may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.